Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Bester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 World, welcome to the future of NFTs, uh, sponsored by Adlunum. I'm your host, Natya, and we are going to be talking today with a very interesting gentleman uh, working on something very interesting Um if you've been around the NFT space, you know that there has been a lot of talk about the use of NFTs in event ticketing. So I'm exciting, excited. Well, I might be exciting too, but I'm excited to be speaking with uh, Frank Roskam, the founder and CEO of Celebratrix. Now, Celebratrix is a fast-growing blockchain ticketing startup based out of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And uh, with over 250,000 tickets in on-chain activity, Celebratrix is leveraging blockchain technology to not only improve the way that event organizers make revenue, but also how they interact with customer data throughout the event lifecycle. So definitely stay tuned for this episode to really deep, dive deep into how blockchain is revolutionizing the future of event ticketing, which, um, as I'm sure we can all agree, is a very relevant use case uh, for this technology. So, Frank, so happy to have you with us today. And thank you. Big shout out to Lawrence uh, at Lunum co-founder, uh, who's also on the show today, for connecting us uh, at the Nordic Blockchain Conference. So I think before we get going, Frank, just give me a bit of a background in terms of where did you come from previously professionally and how did you get into the space, the event ticketing space, and especially with this focus on uh, on NFT and blockchain and uh, all of these exciting technologies that we are working with? Yes, thank you so much, Nadja, for the amazing intro. I couldn't have said that any better myself. Uh, and also, Lawrence, um, thank you for connecting me here with the amazing team with at, at, at Lunum. Uh, we had a great time in uh Copenhagen during Nordic Blockchain Conference. So that was uh, very cool. Uh, I'll give a quick introduction about myself. So I uh, finished my academics, just the, the, the usual stuff with a bachelor and a master's and studying in Singapore. Um, but I was never really academically challenged. So next to that, I've always thrown parties uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, we do nightclub events, we do festivals, we do uh, beach club areas, so all different kinds of things. So that's really where the passion for event organizing started. Um, and then as an event organizer myself, I realized that the status quo wasn't very beneficial. We have separate primary market ticketing providers. We have uh, external secondary markets, which also tend to be quite fraudulent, which I'll touch upon uh, later. Um, and then there's also a separate guest list solution. And that's really where, um, yeah, where the inspiration for Celebrators came about, where I, I, I've always been into the blockchain space. I understand where Web3 is going. And I fundamentally believe that within three to five years, every single ticket will be issued as an NFT. And Celebrate is going to play a very big role in that. So, um, yeah, very enthusiastic and uh, excited to tell you guys more about it in this session. Well, I'm very excited about this topic because I think, you know, we, we talk so often about the use cases for NFTs in the event space. Uh, but we're not really, you know, th there's not a lot of people kind of dissecting the issue so so let's start there why do we need a new technology uh why is it not sufficient to use the you know the, the manual i mean it's a digital process but it, but it's still quite manual in the sense it's it's a way that we've done it for however long why are we why are we talking about evolving the way that events and event ticketing are done what is the issue that is being that we're trying to solve yeah great question so I think it's very um, important to point out that there is a very, like the, the way ticketing is done right now has worked for a very long time. And it also, it, it is okay, right? It, the, the, if you look at the way, for example, my parents used to buy tickets. Well, they're really old and ancient, but when they actually went to their events, they had to purchase physical tickets and actually showcase the, the paper at the event. And then they were able to go in um well when digitalization came you actually had the pdfs right so you were able to see your ticket digitally get them in the inbox um so this is all around like uh, 2005 2006 and ever since and what we're now seeing is the transition to web3 where you're actually for the first time being able to 
you're able to actually own your own digital asset. And that is that is a very fundamental principle, which is changing, which is for the first time in the history of the internet uh, possible um, to exist, right? Because a PDF, if you, have, if you make a screenshot of it and you send it to me, we have the exact same ticket, right? There's no ownership involved there whatsoever. Um, and with blockchain ticketing and especially like NFT ticketing through Celebratix, um, that entirely uh, the, the entire notion of the way you look at a ticket just changes. And I think it's really important we have that also looking at, for example, um, we're working on our on our another metaverse, but the Eventoverse, um, where in every single event gets its own place within the Celebratix platform, where you can then upload your pictures, you can tag your friends. You can, um, yeah, actually be in the environment, maybe even meet somebody like-minded um, before the event or after when you uh, saw this person you connected with. Um, and that's going to be token-gated, right? Because if you're actually going to the event, you have the ticket and then the NFT um, for the specific event will count as a token-gated experience, which is like, there's so many different different ways and awesome features that we haven't even thought about in this stage, which are going to come online in the years to come Um yeah, and I'm very excited for that. So that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Likewise, I mean, I love what you what you said about you know, not having thought of all of these different use cases, but as you get into it, then all of these possibilities start unfolding. What you are describing sounds to me like it might even replace the the concept that we have currently of event apps. I mean, if you attend an event. You have to download the app specifically for the event, um, and that's where you are able to kind of network pre pre the event as well as, as as during the event. So, do you see this new technology and the way that we are going to start implementing NFTs and the token gated communities related to these events? Do you do you envision it replacing things like event apps? Yeah, I think in the long in the long run, it definitely can. Um, I think it's very important to point out that. Uh, for example, in the Netherlands, TicketSwap is very big. I mean, TicketSwap was able to solve a very relevant issue over a decade ago, right? So uh, they uh, they were created in uh, 2012. Um, and at the time, people were looking for a way to resell their tickets. So you had all these PDF tickets. Um, but then if you want to safely uh, sell it to somebody else, how is that going to work? So they came up with SecureSwap, which, in which they actually burned the, uh, the old uh, PDF and then create a new PDF. Um, so there's only one, um, yeah, one actual true ticket. Um, but for example, with NFT ticketing, uh, these kinds of solutions become redundant because every single ticket is minted on the blockchain. Uh, with us, when you actually share your ticket with somebody else, um, it, tra it, tra it transitions from one wallet to the other, right? So you don't really need these kinds of technologies anymore, which we're solving these um, issues when they, because they're not an issue anymore, right? So the way I like to describe it is by saying that we're really addressing the issues at its core by changing the underlying technology infrastructure. Whereas, for example, a ticket swap is basically putting a bandaid on an issue um, because that issue is just not relevant with NFT ticketing anymore. So I definitely think that in the long term, um, these kinds of technologies are going to replace the incumbent ones. Um, but yeah, that's going to take a lot of time. So that's very interesting because I mean the solution that you that you speak of where they so-called burn the the old NFT either the old PDFs I mean this is not really being implemented even at that rudimentary level in in a lot of countries where I've attended events so it's almost like most most geographic regions are not even at the stage where they they they've gotten to that kind of solution so do you think that I mean, if you think about the adoption, for example, of smartphones on a continent like Africa, where most people didn't have access to computers and they didn't have access you know, to, to laptops, but they skipped that and essentially fast forwarded to, uh, to, to, to smartphones. So it sounds like almost if this kind of technology is going to be implemented, then a lot of countries and, and a lot of event managers in different countries might even go from a very simplistic way of handling ticketing at the moment and then kind of skipping the, the, this, the, this growth phase and this, you know, Web 2 uh, solution and, and going straight into Web 3. Is this, is this something that, that you think is going to, to happen as well? Because, of course, if we talk about the adoption of NFTs, um, the, the larger conversation around adoption is very complex. Um, but when it comes to 
solving a real world problem, which event ticketing definitely is a real world problem that we are dealing with at the moment. Um, it sounds like it's there's no need to go through, you know, the step one, step two, step three in terms of evolving the solution that, that people might just go from step one to step three. Yeah, let's hope so. 100%. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, for example, Latin American countries which have uh, a lot of issues with this where they, they just don't, they, they can't seem to like actually control this secondary market and there's a lot of fraud still. Um, so I, I definitely think that for them, they might just skip the entire uh, Web 2, Web 2.5 phase and go straight into the NFT part where it's just safe, simple and secure. Um, still, they then need to have the technological infrastructure in place to actually be able to do this. Um, but yeah, we're slowly seeing uh, mainstream adoption there as well. And I think it's also a really interesting uh, point you touched upon, uh, Nadja, where you said like um, actually solving these real life issues is the most important thing. And that's also what Celebratix does in the sense that the I built Celebratix for my three smaller sisters. And that might sound very strange, but like my oldest sister, she's 22, the middle one, she's 20, and the youngest one, she's nine years old. And the nine-year-old, she doesn't party yet, but the 20 and 22-year-old, they're heavy hitters. And if they go to a Friday night event, they don't care if it's a PDF. They don't care if it's an NFT, right? They just want their ticket to be safe, simple, and secure. And that's also why with Celebratix, we don't actually touch upon um, the, uh, the blockchain and the Web3 and the NFT ticketing stuff because people tend to get quite jumpy. Um, so we just have a seamless flow, integrate everything properly, and it's all on chain without them actually realizing it. And that's, that's very interesting to see how we can, I mean, that's how we're going to onboard the next billion users in Web3. Well, I'm into that. So on that note, I mean, we talk about often in Web3, we talk about the challenges surrounding user adoption. And if you're a B2B company, of course, then the, the onboarding of, of, of business clients. So what solutions uh, do you currently focus on in terms of onboarding people in a seamless way? And very often this might look like the technology being invisible, you know, not calling it NFTs. Uh, so what solutions have you, have you been working with thus far? Yeah, so the biggest thing for us is actually the Celebratix app. Uh, and for those of you who haven't downloaded it or seen it yet, uh, definitely do because it's going to give you a very good point of very clear insights as to how we're actually solving things um, and the way we're visualizing it as well. Because every ticket we have on the, everything is on chain, right? So we're built on Polygon. So everything is, uh, uh, is an NFT. But then the thing is like, how are you going to actually prevent people from making screenshots, which is now impossible anymore, right? So it's not a PDF anymore. So um, yeah, it's all on chain. So the way we visualize, for example, that part is by dynamically changing the QR code. And that's basically only a psychological trick in the sense that on the blockchain, it doesn't change every three seconds, right? The QR code, it just remains a QR code, which is a link to your NFT, which you can then show at the door to gain entrance to the venue, right? Um, but it is a way in which we showcase to our, for example, my 22-year-old my, uh, sister, who doesn't really care about the underlying infrastructure of either PDF or an NFT, but really only about that, her, that she's able to, that, that she's not going to be um, that's not going to be fraudulent, that is going to be 100% safe, that she's uh, going to have a collectible after the event, which is a big thing as well. Uh, we touched upon the token gating already. Um, yeah, we haven't even scratched the surface yet as to what's possible. So that's, that's something I'm very excited for. So I'm curious, because if you think about the secondary market, I mean, very often the conversation is around, you know, fair pricing. I mean, you, you might buy the ticket for X amount, but then when it gets to the secondary market, you know, the, the price 10Xs or 20Xs or whatever the case may be, not to mention that as a, as a buyer in the secondary market, I'm not actually always sure if the ticket that I am buying you know, is the authentic one. So from, from the authenticity perspective, that's a, an issue that blockchain quite easily solves. But are you also working around the idea of, uh, of pricing being more fair or is that not something that uh, you're involved with at this moment? Yeah, no, no definitely something we're... Um we take into account because the last thing you want, like let's say that you're like one of my events, let's say Noah, we do the Friday night at the Chicago social club, which is one of the biggest nightclubs in Amsterdam. It's like the, the Burgheim of Amsterdam. Um, and then the thing is like, if for my brand, I have these people who uh, purchase 10 tickets and then they buy them for 15 euros and then they resell them for 70. I don't want that because 
as an as a brand that um, really isn't very nice because then people are are paying way too much, way more than I would want them to pay in that sense. Um, so that's why at Celebratix we've decided to actually cap the total amount possible uh, to resell your tickets which, with twenty percent. So when you buy a ticket, uh, you can only make an extra twenty percent off it when it gets sold out. Um, also, um, you can uh, not sell it for less than uh, 20% of the 15 euros, right? So that's a very big point for us because we really want to make sure that we keep the brand value intact of our customers. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're B2B2C in the sense that our event organizers are the customers and then the event attendees are the ones um, actually making the purchase. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. So I'm curious then, uh, in terms of being B2B2C, what has been the easiest experience process in terms of onboarding? How are you finding the response from event organizers and how are you finding the response from actual users? Yeah, that's a great question, Naja. And um, I actually just had lunch with an event organizer here in Amsterdam. Um, and the, the beauty of it is that we're not really pitching, right? It's just they we, you, you talk about what they're currently using and you talk about what is currently out there, the problems they're having, and then basically the solution as as to what they're experiencing, right? It's like that. That's that's it's it's always a very fun conversation because you, you touch upon so many different things you can actually uh, help each other with, and I think that's very, um, yeah, I think that's very telling also for the Web three industry in general. People just really want to help each other out, and yeah, basically solve the issues they have right now at hand. Um, and that's also like for me as an event organizer, I have quite a lot of um, network in the space in Amsterdam. Uh, I mean, making Noah my own use case and being the own, uh, having been the own uh, first paying customer was a very good uh, starting point because we get the use cases and we get to test the platform and we get to build what it actually is that uh, other event organizers need. Um, and now we're, uh, we're starting to scale up, which is very, uh, a very fun uh, part of the journey. So in terms of scaling, uh, because it sounds like at the moment you've been, or at least this is what it sounds like, maybe I'm completely wrong, but it sounds like you have been focusing first on the local market in, in Amsterdam or in the Netherlands. So what are your current, what is your current focus? And then what are your plans in terms of uh, scalability and expansion to other regions? Yeah, so we started in Amsterdam because that's our home base and that was low-hanging fruit for us to actually make a dent. Um, we're definitely uh, going international uh, very soon. Uh, we had a couple of very good uh, talks with the Nordic Blockchain Association as well. So we're looking into the Nordics. Um, I know that Belgium is a very interesting market for this. Germany, uh, UK. I mean, base, and that, that's, that's just Europe, right? I mean, uh, we also briefly touched up already upon, for example, Latin America. Um, there's definitely a lot of, um, yeah, interesting options and opportunities there. Um, and it's also about choosing the timing, right? Where let me, you really want, for me, it's like, I want to, I, I, I'm not in a hurry. I need to like get, um, yeah, the, the solid use cases going. And I, I, I mean, I know that within three to five years, every single ticket will be issued as an NFT, right? So like, it's, I'm not really focusing on doing a lot of outbound reach at the moment as I will know. I know that at some point it's going to be inbound as well, um, which is definitely the way to go in the long term. Yeah, there's certainly very exciting times up ahead, um, especially in this space, because, I mean, ticketing is something that everyone is already using on a daily basis. Um, and I think that, as you say, it's not really so much convincing to be done if everyone can clearly understand, especially if they're event organizers, uh, they can clearly understand what the problem is and are actually dying for a solution. Um, so in terms of... You know, if, if I think about myself, um, and not necessarily me as a person, but any individual who, who attends an event, um, you know, you might get the ticket as a PDF, you, you, you get to the event, you have, you know, your, your little badge that you get, and then that is the end of it. Um, you throw it in the drawer when you get home, or, you know, it's saved on your email. Are you also looking looking into the concept of a digital identity that then, for example, me as a user if you go onto my profile or whatever the case may be, that you are able to see some of the events that I've attended. Is this also an area that you are looking into or is it purely transactional uh, from event to event? Yeah, I know. Great question. And uh, this is something I'm very passionate about because 
I have so many different PDFs of events I attended in my email over the years. And that's just, uh, yeah, basically a shame because I, I don't really get to enjoy them any, uh, like anymore afterwards, right? And for example, in the Netherlands, we have Lowlands, which is very big. And then if you go to Lowlands, it says 60,000 people, you get this bracelet, right? You put it on your right arm and people wear it for months, even after the event. But yeah, at some point it's going to smell and they have to cut it off, right? Because, I mean, you're not going to keep that thing on forever. Um, but basically the digital equivalent of that is what we're helping people with, right? So every single ticket now is not a PDF anymore, which you scan at the venue and never look at again. No, every single ticket is an NFT, which means that after you've scanned your uh, ticket at the door, the ticket actually becomes a digital collectible. And that's something we also showcase in the app, um, in the Celebratix wallet, where you then have the collectible uh, to look at forever as a, as a very cool memory. So it's a digital memorabilia part uh, on the one end, which is nice. I mean, uh, ever since the hunters and gatherers part in the prehistorical times, people have been gathering uh, stuff, right? So like now having a digital collectible to, to commemorate a certain event is extraordinary. Um, but that also opens a lot of doors, uh, which, which we already uh, touched upon earlier, where and if you then have this this digital collectible in your Celebratix wallet and you want to join the event offers of that particular event, which is uh, long-term, long-term, but definitely possible now, then you get certain extra benefits and perks and loyalty rewards. And um, yeah, that's uh, you can as an event organizer, you can actually upsell your audience with, say, merchandise items or drinks. So there's a really a lot of uh, very cool ways that can actually be leveraged. So that's very exciting. Yeah, you just reminded me my my trans festival days when I literally did wear bracelets for months on end. Um, yeah, I completely forgot about that. So that that's a very interesting uh, question then, in the sense that if I think back to my younger days and I really wanted people, you know, kind of, I mean, the reason that you would wear these bracelets is so that you can make this connection people are able to see okay this is who you are and kind of what you identify with but do you think this is a generational thing or do you think a similar use case for for digital collectibles then applies to older generations that might not be you know as intent on connecting with an with 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 the same sort of community like-minded community yeah, like like younger people do, but do you think there's also a use case for for older generations? I mean, and if I say older, I mean like even myself in my thirties, uh, where it's not necessarily the same, uh, let's say, motivation um, as I had in my twenties, but I still would, for whatever reason, I might want to display these digital event collectibles. Do you do you see that they the same principle applies across different generations? And if so. What are the what are the differences in terms of why people would want uh, others to see these digital collectibles? Yeah, great question. I definitely think that um, generationally speaking, um, like I said, we've we've been gathering stuff for centuries, right? So um, whether it's a stamp collection or whether it's a board ape, right? Um, I mean, there's definitely a, a big uh, difference in price there, but you can, you get the point where it's like it's 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 just the notion of actually gathering something and that something is yours. Um, that's uh, across all generations very interesting. Um, I also feel like it really depends on what kind of thing you're gathering. So, for example, for us with the Noah event, it's a it's a monthly recurring event, which then. Um, yeah, you might attend once or twice, so it's a cool um, uh, memorabilia. But let's say that you're in the that you're in this nightclub every Thursday. Yeah, I mean it's not that special then. So I mean you wouldn't really care about gathering it. Um, another cool example I think is uh, when Michael Jordan actually made his entrance in the NBA. Well, we all at at, th at that point he was already um, yeah like the, the the best basketball player uh, in the um, uh, college um, uh, basketball teams. But then nobody actually knew that he was going to turn out to be the, the amazing legend he actually uh, ended up being, right? Where he actually won the six rings, six championships. Um, so if you actually had the ticket of when he entered the NBA and you were in the stadium that moment, maybe at the moment you didn't really care about uh, gathering that ticket. But yeah, I mean, you, I mean you, you would have liked to be there, but you weren't a super fan as they might have been uh, 10 or 15 years later afterwards, right? So it really depends on the on the on the actual event that you're trying to gather something for, and then obviously also like if you're not that big of a fan of Michael Jordan for in, in this instance, 
maybe then uh, you can sell your ticket, right? Because not, these people, they have a physical ticket, how you're going to know that that's the original one. But if it if they would have been working with Celebratix at the time and um, the person uh, uh, in chair number six, in row 16, uh, seats uh, two, had a specific uh, a ticket to the event, well, maybe now an ultra fan of Michael Jordan wants to buy it for 10 times the original price, right? So there's also a, a, a very big new market opening up there. Yeah, that's a really great point because if you think about Woodstock, for example, I mean, I don't think many people attending Woodstock understood at the time that this was going to be a pivotal cultural moment that decades later people would be referring to within the cultural context. And the fact that you were there, um, that says something, whatever you wanted to say. And so really going forward, I mean, exactly to your point, you don't know at the time of being involved with something, at the time of attending an event, uh, the, the, the possible significance that it might have down the line. So that's a really, really good point. So in terms of, uh, I want to kind of stay on this topic of um, the digital collectibles, the digital memorabilia, uh, and then slightly move a little also to NFTs as a concept. Um, because, I mean, there was recently, I think uh, it was this week, uh, where we saw um, news headlines. I mean, the media loves hype and the media especially likes hype, likes hype if it's uh, something overly dramatic. So we've seen so many people talk about 95% of NFTs are now worthless and it means the NFT market is dead. So, of course, I mean, especially those of, uh, of the, uh, those in the audience who listens to the show every week and knows that yeah, the, the people that we speak to, the builders that we speak to are building solutions using NFTs that far exceed uh, PFPs and, and NFT art. But if you think about the concept of NFTs, um, what do you typically tell someone if they don't know what an NFT is? Yeah, so uh, yeah, good question. Um, I tend to stay away actually from this discussion because... To me, the actual NFT part doesn't really add the add the value in their in their perception, right? The NFT part, with like actually being blockchain based, enables you to actually hold the value of a certain asset digitally. But the perceived value of, for example, an event um, where you get to, we're we're not we're, we're right now we're exploring lifetime tickets, and then if you were to go to an event forever right then that specific nft holds a lot of value um but we don't really call them nfts because they're uh, vip collectibles right um so we really try to pitch the advantages of the concept and not the concept in itself and i think that's a very big part yeah i mean that's that's really interesting because i th i think what i've seen especially with uh companies that are specifically working with uh the the b2c market uh, yeah b2c market i mean i know that you also of course have the the b2b layer um but with the b2c companies it t companies tend to stay away from the terminology but then i'm curious in your discussions with event organizers is that then also terminology that you avoid using or is it more important to those uh, individuals or, or organizations to understand the underlying technology yeah, good question. So specifically for our B2B customers, since Celebrating B2B2C, it's very important that, uh, first of all, financially, it's an interesting, more interesting value proposition in the sense that we're with, through uh, NFT ticketing, we're able to cut out a separate middleman, right? I touched upon this earlier, where we have a, uh, the status quo is a separate primary market, separate secondary market, and a separate guest solution. So Celebrating is a one-stop shop for these events and not leveraging a centralized database, but a decentralized one. And next to that, you really want a safe, smooth, and secure way of actually issuing these tickets, right? So at Celebratix, we're really focusing on creating a hassle-free experience. Uh, and the combination of the two is, the, is absolutely vital for these event organizers to actually, um, yeah, start using Celebratix as our ticketing provider. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so then I'm curious, you said earlier that in, let's say, five years or so, that NFT, like, like the event ticketing is going to be, the, this is going to be the, the, the way to go. NFTs and, you know, being on chain is going to be not necessarily NFTs. I mean, it might, it might not, but for sure, blockchain technology is where it's going to be at. Um, so 
what do you think is going to be the trajectory to get there? Because at the moment, I mean, if you mention any of these technologies, you know, you get a lot of pushback. You might cho- choose to not mention these technologies, but then they would still, or would they be, you know, certain steps that people would need to follow in order to kind of move away from the old and onto the new? Do you, what are the stumbling blocks that you think is going to be have to overcome in order to get to this future where event ticketing is going to be on-chain exclusively? Or is there a possibility that perhaps the two are going to exist coexist side by side, that you might have the traditional way of ticketing that's going to continue for however long to come? Um, how, how do you envision that future specifically? So... I definitely think that the way to move forward and actually onboarding the next billion users in Web3 is by creating the use cases that actually make a difference. And for ticketing, that's a very clear one in the sense that the status quo is not very beneficial to either the event organizers or the event attendees in the sense that the event attendees are not guaranteed a safe ticket and the event organizers therefore uh, bear the burden of, um, yeah, for example, fake ticketing. Um, so I definitely think that every single ticket will be on chain and thus an NFT ticket uh, in three to five years. Uh, that said, we do have a long way ahead and uh, there's definitely some big obstacles there uh, where, first of all, um, there's a, a very big reputational factor for event organizers. So as you can imagine, if you do, uh, like my co-founder, he uh, does the uh, the biggest festival during King's Day in the Netherlands, which uh, for those of you outside of Europe is more like the 4th of July in America. So he does 40,000 people, 40,000 people in Olympic Stadium uh, during uh, the 27th of April, King's Day in the Netherlands. And you can imagine like <clears throat> if you actually go live with these tickets or if, if, uh, yeah, if during the event, the uh, actual... A ticketing scanner doesn't work, so these people are stuck in front of the door who can't access. Right? There's a very there, there's a very big um, trust layer and like a trust entry uh, entry to barrier to entry, right? Because if you really um, have any sort of issue during the uh, pre-sales or during the event or maybe even afterwards, um, that's a very very crucial part. So I do think that the change towards NFT ticketing might be uh, slower than we expect right now. Uh, I do think it's inevitable in the sense that it's just, it's just a PDF ticketing is an inferior way to NFT ticketing because there's just some issues which need to be taken care of. But once that is actually the case and these, also these big event organizers understand that it's actually possible to do it through NFT ticketing, um, then we're going to see the, the mass adoption and it's going to be on chain only because that's just the future. So then, you know, being being the naysayer for a moment, uh, because this is an argument that anyone working with NFTs hears at some point or another. Now, there's all this talk about NFTs being environmentally unsustainable. I mean, we've we've heard this argument. We've heard uh, often from people not quite understanding the technology behind it, not quite understanding truly what the environmental impact is of blockchain versus you know any number of other. I mean, oil and gas, for example. But so what are your thoughts on, uh, on on this argument that, no, this is not a good way to proceed because at the moment we have PDFs, you know, it takes nothing. It's you know, the, the standard way of doing pretty much everything uh, in, in the business world um, versus, OK, now we're going on chain. And so this is going to contribute even more to, to uh, environmental issues and, well, we are trying to solve these issues, and so to, you know, NFTs might not be the the, the solution to uh, to contribute to the solution to the climate change uh, issue that we are facing. Yeah, great question. And uh, on the sustainability part, that's something I'm very passionate about myself. Um, that's also actually why we chose to build on Polygon in the first place, uh, because Polygon is actually going to be carbon negative, which means that that's definitely not. Um, yeah, as 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 hurtful in a sense, but I mean, still you're gonna be you're gonna be digital, right? So like, changing from PDFs to NFTs in the sense that a PDF is a static QR code, where an NFT is a dynamic one which lives on chain. That that yeah, it's it's inevitable that they were going to move into a digitalized world, but we can do so in a fashion that is uh, the least harmful for the environment, and that's something we should strive for um, every step of the way. 
So, so let's get all the negative arguments out the way before we continue. So another one argument, of course, is the the environmental slash sustainability aspect. But then there's also the the regulatory issue. Um, so another argument that 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 people building in the space often, of course, hear is you know if you're building your your company on the premise that you're using these technologies, but this is very much in flux, and it might be that tomorrow you know, NFTs are regulated to an extent where you know, arguably government, governments might say that it becomes unusable. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, okay. So like for, for us, the reason we choose to build on Polygon, the reason we choose to be blockchain based is because I fundamentally believe in the interoperability of our digital assets. And what I mean by that is that if my oldest sister, who is 22 years old, wants to resell her ticket on Instagram, which is becoming an NFT marketplace, or or OpenSea, or Celebratix in that sense, or basically any uh, platform out there, it's going to be safe. And that's something we don't have right now, where if you buy or, or if you sell your tickets um, through Instagram, or you, you buy them through somebody who you don't know, you don't actually 100% understand or will actually know if it's a safe ticket, if it's an actual PDF you can use to enter the venue. And from a government and regulatory point of view, I don't believe they will interfere with such a uh, process. In the, in the Netherlands, we actually have this website, uh, which is called, um, like the rough translation to English is understandyourticket.nl, right? So what they actually uh, tell you is, um, please be wary and please be mindful of where you buy your ticket because you might be a victim to fraud if you buy it somewhere um, where you haven't verified the actual seller. So also from a regulatory point of view, it could even be make more sense for them to make sure that every single ticket is unchained because of the fact that it's um, 100% traceable and transparent every step of the way. Sorry, I had an issue unmuting myself. Uh, technology is always fun until it doesn't work. Um, so, Frank, I'm curious then, you know, we talk about uh, NFTs, uh, in this case, NFTs, and we talk about the future possibilities of it's going to revolutionize this industry and it's going to revolutionize that industry. But so much of these roadmaps are really, really long. Um, and it's it's more visionary in, in many cases than it is practical because the stumbling blocks uh, on the way to adoption, stumbling blocks on the way to implementation, you know, they are such that it is quite a gamble. You know, it might work, it might not work. It might take off, it might not. Um, so why do you think that utilities like, like event ticketing, because of course this is something that we are already experiencing in daily life it's problems that we are experiencing ourselves and it's solutions that we all in one sense or another want um but i think you touched on such an important point right now in terms of regulation you know as much as there's all this talk about regulation if it comes to the actual implementation of a solution that is going to safeguard users uh then the conversation around whether something should be you know the placed under a microscope by governments um it, it becomes more of a non-issue because ultimately the conversation is around safeguarding users in whatever industry that we are talking about um so why do you think that events uh is so, so i'm kind of trying to think from from a perspective of not necessarily a regulator in the traditional sense of the word, but there's a lot of gatekeepers. There's a lot of gatekeepers in different industries, you know, that might not want the evolution of a technology or a business process or an industry even, uh, because what's working is working, let's say, for a small number of people or the the roadmap is not so clear, the, the technology is not so much understood. So uh, you've, you've touched on this previously, but why do you think... Uh, a use case like events uh, is something that is so much clearer um, in terms of, yes, today this is all very new, but literally by tomorrow we might start adopting this and we don't have to call it NFTs. We don't have to explain how the blockchain works. What makes events, 
let's say, special in that regard. Because I think, as you said earlier, onboarding the next you know billion users onto Web3, this is something that everyone is dreaming of. And so many builders are you know, very, very intent on making that happen in whatever the, the, the industry or the application that they are working with. But what, what makes events special in the sense that it's quite easy to imagine that very, very soon people might be using this technology, whether they are event organizers, so, so B2B, or whether they are customers just attending these events. Yeah, great question, Nadia. Thank you for that. I think um, the event industry and uh, specifically the intersection with blockchain is very special. And it's special in the sense that it's not actually the gamble that you uh, referred to earlier in your question, because it kind of makes sense, um, I would argue. So when you uh, look at Web Web 1, where the tickets were physical ones, and Web 2, where the tickets are now digitalized as PDFs, and now Web 3, where they're actually blockchain-based and therefore NFTs, I think it's a very logical evolution uh, in, in, in the evolution of the internet that, that we're actually going to see these NFT tickets happening because they're more safe, because... We're therefore trying, we're actually addressing the issues at its core instead of putting bandages on the PDF uh, era, right? Which is, for example, a ticket swap, uh, what it's doing. And then like, yeah, I definitely agree with the way you use the word gatekeeping uh, in the sense that, for example, for a ticket swap, if they do not move towards this new uh, Web3 way of uh, issuing tickets, and they, I mean, their, their basic income stems from creating and burning PDF tickets, right? So it's definitely not in their best interest to uh, have the event industry revolutionized through blockchain. Um, whereas startups like Cedaratics definitely are pushing for this. Um, and we're not doing this by ourselves. Like we're not, uh, we're now with a team of seven. We're not just in our, uh, in our um, yeah, office just with, with the lights out and not uh, just coding and seeing uh, whatever uh, we, we throw at the wall uh, might stick. No, we're actually working with the regulators. So I'm involved with uh, two tokens and um, they're a, um, yeah, a, a Dutch um, organization which works very closely with the uh, Dutch ministry and with the government itself. And they actually um, also are part of the Mika regulations, right? So for those of you who are aware of Mika, it's the markets in crypto assets regulation. Uh, it's going to um, yeah, be showcased uh, next year. And then in 2024, next year, uh, the Mika regulations are in place. So then, for example, if you're a uh, crypto broker and you're licensed in the Netherlands, then you're licensed throughout Europe, right? So Europe is actually doing a very good job on that. Um, and we actually want to work together with these regulators to create and have the biggest impact possible. Um, and we will have that impact because NFT ticketing and events uh, with blockchain is very special in, in that intersection. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's wonderful to hear. Um, it just made me realize I wanted to get into this a little bit earlier, but there's now, now is as good as time as any. So you were mentioning earlier that event organizers are then also able to uh, sell merchandise to, to, uh, to event goers. So how does that look like uh, within the app or, or where does it happen? Because it really sounds as though at the moment, I mean, it's a very like a once-off transactional relationship. I mean, I buy a ticket, I attend the event, that's the end of it. You know, they might send me marketing emails afterwards and I might, you know, unsubscribe or market a spam or just add it to my 10,000 a day email inbox that I already have. But it sounds like the approach that you are taking is really to to build more of a a long-term relationship uh, between event organizers and, and people attending these events. So what does that look like at the moment and what are your future plans in terms of expanding this aspect? So the, the biggest thing for us is that we provide value to our end customers. And I think that's a very important part because how do you actually add value to your end customers? You, you do that by providing utilities through these tickets, right? And merchandise is uh, just an example of the uh, utilities you can have for a specific ticket. So let's say you uh, go to this Lowlands Festival and you buy this uh, specific ticket, which is a bit more expensive than the regular ones, but it does enable you to have either VIP access or um, get this uh, drink at the bar, which you love, or you get this merchandise item. I mean, there's a lot of different ways in which you can then um, either reward your most loyal audience 
or actually create new fans for life, right? And I think the utility in that sense is uh, very interesting. The way we show that in the app is by creating these digital collectibles after the tickets have been scanned at the venue and therefore keeping them forever, right? So the, the, the digital memorabilia part of the actual events with an amazing artwork um, for themselves. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to seeing this uh, come together. It's really, uh, you know, it, it's a good future up ahead. Uh, I think, you know, in all in all areas of the technology, but certainly, I think from the event aspect, because um, as I said, I mean, it's a it's a it's a use case that all of us are already experiencing the problem aspect. And so really now is the time for solutions. Um, so then in terms of your own roadmap as a company, where are you currently and what are your sort of short term and, and medium term? I mean, long term, of course, as you said in the beginning, there's so many possibilities that haven't been even been explored, started to be explored yet. But in terms of the short and the medium term, uh, where, wh what, are we, what are you doing and what are the plans up ahead? Yeah, so from a, a roadmap point of view, we have a couple of very exciting uh, features we'll be integrating shortly. Uh, one of the things I'm very excited about, and which is something I also touched upon with Lawrence during the Nordic Blockchain Conference in the panel there, uh, is the stable diffusion AI. So what we're integrating now is every single ticket um, can then ha have, have its own life uh, through AI um, in a sense that every QR code based on something a event organizer uploads in our uh, dashboard in the backend um, can be uh, yeah created on its own right so like every single ticket has its own qr code with its own artwork with its own story with its own uh, experience in that sense so that's that's uh, something we're very excited about um we're yeah scaling up our processes as well we're looking to do about a million tickets next year um which is definitely something feasible for us uh, and also really um, yeah, expanding globally um, is very important for us. Uh, one thing we're also um, uh, doing, which is actually going to launch in January uh, next year, uh, is the Killer Whales show. And I don't know if you know, if you've heard about that, but um, they actually, CoinMarketCap uh, co-produced a show where the, they created this shark tank for Web3 and, blo and blockchain projects. Um, and I'm now finally allowed to say that uh, I participated on there uh, with Celebratix. Um, I cannot say how it ended, but uh, definitely uh, keep an eye out on uh, my Twitter in that sense, where uh, from January onwards is going to air on national American television and uh, also with uh, streaming uh, services. So, um, yeah, that's going to be uh, streamed in over 55 countries um, so, yeah, I cannot name the actual brand yet, but it's uh, going to be very exciting. Wow, congratulations. Definitely looking forward to, to seeing that and uh, yeah, just learning more about it when the time is right. Um, so I want to give the, the audience a chance to, to ask some questions as well. And I see we've already got a couple of them coming in. So if you do have a question for Frank, uh, you can just DM it to, to the Adlunum Twitter handle or alternatively um, just tweet it uh, to us on our account at Lunum, uh, at Lunum INC. Uh, so I'm going to go into some of the questions that I see here. Um, so from uh, Ismula, the biggest challenge we have in blockchain remains security. What measures uh, do you have in place to protect users from fraudulent ticket listings or scams when making purchases through blockchain? I think you've touched on this uh, earlier on in the show, but maybe if you can just encapsulate and, and, and yeah, j just very briefly on that specifically. Yeah, that's a great question. So thank you for that, Ismilar. Uh, the most important thing we do is we actually uh, verify everyone's identity before creating, during the creation of an account. So uh, you fill in your first name, last name, and telephone number. And then based on that information, you buy a ticket and also create a listing. So we're 100% safe and secure uh, in that sense. So there's no more bots and scalping involved either, which is a very big part for us. And then I have a question from... Uh... Not sure, 66 here, or I'm <laughs> I'm terrible at pronouncing usernames. Uh, 
What do you believe are the key factors driving mainstream adoption of Web3 technologies? Again, I think you have touched on this, uh, but would love to just for you to succinctly, but perhaps just uh, talk about this in terms of uh, what you guys are doing. So what do you believe are the key factors driving mainstream adoption of Web3 tech and how do you see this playing out in the coming years? So the, the main part for us and the, the key factors that will be driving this mainstream adoption is first of all, by not screaming NFTs or blockchain or anything of the sense um, where you, we really focus on pitching the advantages of the concept and not the concept in itself. And that's definitely where we're seeing the most traction right now. Uh, and that's where I believe the most traction will be coming from uh, in, in, in over the years. Um, because we don't need to actually touch upon the technology uh, if we just create a better customer experience in a more safe, simple and secure way. And then I have a question from uh, from Snow. What are some of the biggest challenges and obstacles you've, exp- you've encountered while building and scaling Celebratex in this Web3 space? Okay, nice. That's a, that's a cool question, Snow. Thank you for that. Um, the biggest challenges we've encountered so far, um, I think, like, actually identifying the problems we're solving was uh, quite a tough nut to crack because like as an event organizer myself, I realized there was, uh, yeah, some, that there were some issues that, that needed to be, needed to, uh, to be resolved, but actually uh, putting the puzzle, the piece of the puzzle together where you then uh, create the NFT ticketing part based on Polygon, which then resolves the fraud issues. And then, seeing how you can make your um, solution tailor-made to the features that, or that the requirements that these event organizers have, which also uh, differ, right? So like um, there is a couple of other blockchain technology, blockchain technology providers out there um, currently trying to solve similar issues. But if you're uh, at Sharon and you sell out uh, 60,000 tickets in the Ziggo Dome, then you have a different need than actually the Friday night club event organizer who just, wants to uh, facilitate 700 people uh, for their night to, to let them have a great time. So I, I think it was quite, we did, we did more than 50, maybe 60 interviews with these event organizers and customers, um, which then really created for us the list of features and really gave a lot of insight, valuable insight as to what we need um, to encounter, to actually overcome these issues. So I, th- I think that was a bit, very big learning for us. So then I have an interesting question here from Ragi. So have you ever attended an event where uh, your NFT or your ticket was an NFT? Uh, yeah. I, well, I mean, at the Nordic Blockchain Conference, it wasn't yet, but it will be next year. Um, so that's going to be a very interesting thing. Um, so keep an eye out for that. But like for me, I don't, I, I really love my uh, dance festivals, uh, but those haven't been an NFT yet. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing that as an NFT myself. Well, me as well, very, very certainly. And I hope you come to a market near me quite soon so that I can experience this for myself in real time as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Frank, I think what, you, what you're building is very, very interesting in the sense that you can speak to this about pretty much any person and without you know, going into the details of the NFTs, um, just pe- people get this. So a uh, quick question from me then, in terms of explaining what you do as a company, uh, how often have you experienced that people might not understand why this is a good solution? Or do you generally across the board find that people really just get why there is a need for this to exist? So the, the main talks that we're currently having is are, are with event organizers. So when we actually talk to these event organizers, uh, we don't really need to pitch them every single uh, detail of Celebratex. Um, we can generally uh, speak to them in a sense that we, under, we we just tell them, okay, well, we just basically ask them questions. Okay, well, like, what are you currently using for your primary market? What are you using for your secondary market? How do you like your guest list solution? And then after uh, a lot of questions, it really turns out that there are better ways to actually host your event. And that's very exciting because then you basically start looking for solutions together. Um, and then, um, yeah, Celebratix in that sense 
it's a very nice way to um yeah to, to show them that it can be done differently as well and then they're quite open to that so i don't really need to like explain them all the nitty-gritty details um and i like to keep it that way because yeah we, we don't really need to dive into into the difficult stuff uh as long as they understand that there's a better way to do this thing um than they're currently doing it and I think that's a very good point because very often when people are building a solution for any any particular market, um, you know, that the approach is, I mean, we, we talk about product market fit, but but it's not often that you find that the, the, the process of building a company is so open and transparent in the sense, look, we all, we all still figuring this out together. So it's not a top down approach like, look, here's the solution and, you know. You got to You got to have this, and I'm gonna sell you hard on why you need this, because I think it's very, it's very reflective of the Web three industry in general that we we understand that this is a process, it's an evolution. You know, we're not gonna figure it all out today, but on the other hand, if we wait until we have everything down and everything is perfect, you know, then then, then nothing is going to evolve to the point where we can truly get there. Um, so maybe a final question. I'm just mindful of time. So from Gloria, do you face many challenges in places uh, which aren't allowed to use NFTs or crypto payments? And are most countries open to the tech or more, more restrictive? No, uh, we haven't really experienced that people aren't open to this because in my experience most people definitely are looking into different ways to do uh, the same things um, so that's very exciting and uh, like from a internationally speaking we haven't really experienced anything of that sorts either um, so like people are generally very receptive to the to the new way of actually doing this so that that's very nice well yeah, I, I have to say, um, I'm definitely looking forward to, I mean, I attend a lot of events and there's been a lot of talk of implementing these kind of things, but it's 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 great to envision a future where I can truly go to an event and, and this is the process that's going to be followed. Um, you have spoken and mentioned a lot about, you know, the events uh, in the Netherlands that you've been involved with. How how do you think that this is going to play out in terms of early adoption? Do you see this as something that, because very often when there's a Web3 solution, uh, the, the approach is to kind of start in Web3 and then branch out from there. But do you think this is something where we might see a lot of this being used by other industries and kind of Web3 coming on you know, sort of from the from so so later on in the process because it's quite interesting that in the Web three space we've been speaking about this a lot, but we're not actually seeing it at Web three events. Where, as you say, I mean, you can talk about this idea and this concept with pretty much any event organizer in any industry, and they are receptive. So, how do you think? Yeah, you know, in terms of user adoption, are we going to see that everyone is just going to start using it, including Web3? Or in this case, Web3 might even lag behind, which is not always very understandable. Um, but uh, yeah, what has your experience been so far in terms of you know speaking to different industries, including Web3, and who has the biggest appetite to say, look, let's go starting today? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so like... When Lawrence and I actually attended the Nordic Blockchain Conference, which, mind you, is the biggest blockchain conference in the Nordics, uh, they were actually using a Web2 way of uh, issuing their tickets. So that was uh, quite funny to see in the sense that the Web3 conferences might actually be the ones uh, lagging behind, even though they are the ones who actually pr proclaim to be the, the biggest uh, drivers of this adoption. Um, but they also understand and they also really know the, 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 the key, um, yeah, advantages of changing to web3 and blockchain so that's also why uh yeah that most likely will be changing around um so no definitely um I, I feel like most adoption will come from the actual general mainstream events for us um because that's where we have the biggest foot in the door and which is the lowest hanging fruit for us um at this stage and who knows um yeah maybe uh, at some point every single ticket will actually be issued as an NFT. Now, I'm very much looking forward to the day where I attend a Web3 event and there's actual Web3 tech being used <laughs> in support of the event because it really feels to me like we, we, we talk the talk, but we don't always walk the walk, uh, but it's still early days. 
Um, so, yeah, we've come to the end of the hour. Thank you so much for your time. I think it's been very, very enlightening for, for those in the audience as well, just to see, as I said, we talk about adoption as something happening down the line, but there's really, truly things that we can get started with today. Um, so I, I hope that those of you listening either live on Twitter Spaces at the moment, uh, or I guess on X Spaces, as it is called now, uh, or listening to the podcast afterwards. Um, it, it's a great feeling to walk away from a conversation knowing we don't have to wait 10 years to see the implementation of something. Uh, so if, if folks want to follow up with you, engage with you, stay connected with you, where's the best place to do so? Yeah, so definitely uh, make sure to check out my Twitter. Uh, I do I try to post a lot there. Uh, and also on Instagram, I have a broadcast channel uh, about Web3 uh, where I uh, post a lot of updates. So be sure to check out the Instagram as well. And um, yeah, I'm no, looking very, very much looking forward to uh, keeping staying engaged and in contact with everybody. So um, yeah, it was a very nice talk, uh, Nadja. Thank you so much for your uh, amazing questions and uh, this deep dive into... Um, NFT ticketing and how it's revolutionizing uh, events. That was uh, really nice. Likewise, Frank, it was lovely to connect with you. And yeah, I was I was supposed to go, to to be at the conference with Lawrence. I didn't end up working out um, in terms of just travel plans, but very very excited to uh, to be meeting with you at an event using uh, Celebratex as uh, the the way of ticketing in the future. Uh, and for the audience, thank you so much for joining, for tuning in today, for joining us for this very interesting conversation. And I will catch you again next week for another future, well, no, that didn't work out, for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Luna. Cheers, guys. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with AdLunum on Twitter at AdLunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.